0: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's DA. Oh, sorry, disappoints. No DA once again on this Wednesday. You've got me, Andrew Bogus. You've always got Pete the Body Bilotti. Ryan Botcher is our producer today and all week long. Pat Boyle is doing my usual job. You do your normal, your usual thing at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogus on the thing formerly known as Twitter. Whether you are listening across our great affiliates or through the free Odyssey app or watching... WatchDA.com, YouTube, Twitch. We appreciate your business on this Wednesday morning. Halfway through the show with us, a, a lot still left to do in this hour. The Athletics' Richard Deitch will join us next hour. USA Today's Bob Nightingale is on the show. Uh, a new breakdown of NFL financials yesterday. Simultaneously will not impress you because you know how much money is involved in this league, but also will blow your mind about how much money is involved in this league, especially when it is compared to other teams and other leagues around the globe. We also got the debut of Hard Knocks last night. A lot of Aaron Rodgers, but also a lot of some other interesting people within the Jets organization. I like the first hour episode. I don't think Pete watched it. There's zero chance Pete was awake at 10 o'clock last night, and I don't think you DVR'd it or downloaded it this morning to watch on your way to work. I will watch it today. So we'll get the official Jet fan reaction to Hard Knocks tomorrow from Pete. Maybe it might, maybe it'll be a Pete versus. Maybe Pete's not going to like Hard Knocks, or in a rarity, something will make make Pete happy. Either way, you and the listener, um, you get to win because some reaction from Pete, any reaction from Pete is always good. But I liked episode number one of Hard Knocks last night, so we'll do that in just a second. Don't forget though, we're all here because Da is not. He is sitting in once again today, and then tomorrow on the Jim Rome show noon to 3 Eastern here on CBS Sports Radio on CBS Sports Network. Uh, DA then is off because it's Friday in the summer and even that can't change for Jim Rome. So he's back in this chair next week like normal. But then I'm out next week. The week after that DA's gone again. So you've got me here. But then there's no cap that week. So there's no stream. And me for most of the week. Right. So I mean we're all over the place. The next time that we get to all together is going to be a handful of days to close out August, I think. But then Da's gone again, and then maybe when we come back from Labor Day, maybe, maybe there's a new Sean. I don't know, uh, but and I will. I'm gone again, right? Um, so if you like, if you like the core four or five, tough luck until I don't know December first at this juncture. But this is something I'm going to bring up with Pete when we tape the PGP after the show today. People keep asking me like, how it's how how's it going post Sean? Whether it's people here, friends in the business, friends in life that know the show changed in some way, how's it going? And it's weird because I don't have an answer because we haven't we don't have the show still. I think we've only done four shows since Sean left, where me, Pete, and Da and Cap have been here all together. Otherwise, one of us, two of us, three of us have not been here. So we really, we still, and of course, we haven't replaced Sean officially yet. So we haven't lived like the normal life of the show yet to know how it feels. Because normally August is like this. We're all taking turns being off. and We go a long stretch without the usual crew being here. So that's what it feels like now. It feels like summer. It doesn't feel like the show actually has officially changed yet. But that's coming When I'll have a better answer for people that they keep asking me about.
2: Yeah, it's, um,
3: we should have, uh, we should have some answers when everyone's back
1: together. Okay.
3: Probably by, uh, maybe 2024.
1: Yeah. And speaking of the PGP, I did ask DA yesterday because the last time the PGP was my responsibility, there was no PGP. And then there was a side C created to punish me and others for not doing the podcast correctly. So I did reach out to the boss yesterday just to triple confirm that he didn't want to do or couldn't do side A this week because I actually feel the last time when I got in trouble for the PGP was a similar thing where he was working, I think, for Jim Rome. And part of our confusion was he is still here, he can still do it. That's the That was the problem, yeah. That was part of our confusion in the moment, Pete and I. So I, I did reach out yesterday to make sure that it should just be us, and that official decision was made by DA. So it'll be me and Pete, at least for side A, and then maybe we sneak some botcher at the end, side B, to finally meet and uh, long-form meet Ryan. But let's begin hour number three down in Athens, Georgia, and we'll go all the way back to mid-January, right after another national title, and this horrific story of the car crash involving two cars, staff members, Jalen Carter in the other car, and the least of our concern then, but it was a topic on the show, was how Jalen Carter's actions that night should and would affect his draft status, and basically it, it it just didn't the the main thing, the thing that matters from that story is that two young people lost their lives in that crash. We've had other kind of follow-up stories with speeding still being an issue for Georgia players and Georgia staff members that they seem to have not learned their lesson to a certain extent from this horrible tragedy. That's one thing. As the new season begins for Georgia yesterday, they made a decision that from my non-legal mind seemed like a bad one for the Bulldogs. Now, Tori Bowles was one of the people in the car that crashed in which two people passed away. She survived the crash with significant injuries, her spine, broken ribs, um, a head injury, broken bones in her face. She was in terrible shape, but she survived the crash and she has since filed a lawsuit against the school, against the program, against Jalen, Jalen Carter, I believe is a defendant in this case. And, You know, to me, that kind of insulates her because she's suing her boss and the school and whatever for damages. This makes her kind of a protected species, so to speak, that some normal rules wouldn't apply to her here. But yesterday, citing those rules that they say she is breaking or at least ignoring, Georgia fired Tori Bowles after putting her on unpaid leave more than a month ago. They fired her her saying that she is not abiding by school and program regulations, that she's required to talk to the internal investigators that the school has hired and brought in about the crash and what happened, as the school looks into what happened. They fired her yesterday, saying that she's refused to cooperate, and therefore she is violating her employment contract, and she's out, and she'd already been on unpaid leave after first being on paid leave after the crash. Now, if I, again, if I'm missing something here, I apologize. But from where I'm sitting, whether the law or not's on my side, I'm not firing this woman if I'm Georgia. Because it feels like, and it looks like, and it's what her lawyers are saying, is retaliation. That because of the lawsuit, they found a loophole to fire her and take her job away from her. And I understand the need to find out what happened. I understand in your contract you're required to do this and that. But her lawsuit, to me, kind of should supersede that. And you shouldn't be surprised if you're Georgia that she's not talking to your investigators while she has her own people working on a lawsuit against you. It's an awkward situation, no doubt. I wish it wasn't even a thing. I wish that this this drunken, high-speed racing had never happened. And that two people didn't lose their lives. I wish we didn't even, you know, not to be too mean, I wish I didn't know Tori Bowles' name. I only know Tori Bowles' name because of this crash, because she was in this car. And I also understand the logic of all of them made bad decisions in this crash in January. All of them were in a car they shouldn't have been in. Those cars were rented for official team use. That was not official team use. All of them apparently had been drinking. They got into cars with people who were drinking. They maybe didn't tell people to stop racing. So they, they, all, they all made mistakes, and they all get blame and guilt for that. Unfortunately, two people paid the ultimate price for those mistakes, their mistakes and other mistakes. So Tori Bowles, Bowles is not a complete innocent victim in all of this, but she is a victim in all of this. And as she's pursuing her own legal case here, as any one of us would, whether Georgia is ultimately right or wrong in this scenario, I just don't understand the benefit of getting rid of her yesterday. Whatever they're paying her, which is nothing, less than $15,000 a year apparently, is not money that they need to run the risk of extra legal trouble here for retaliation, for bad PR. I just don't get it. I don't get why you would make this decision. Again, even if you're 100% right within your... You don't need to do this. You can let the... You're already not paying her. You weren't paying her a lot to begin with. It's not like you need the money back. You don't want to pay out a six-figure, seven-figure bonus. It's not a player we're talking about or a head coach where you're trying to dodge actual money. They did not need to take this one extra shot at this woman who is still not in great physical shape. And I understand in you know certain ways she's kind of the opposition now. But a little more sympathy, a little more understanding probably would have been the better play here from the Bulldogs. I don't know if I'm missing something, Boyle, but this just doesn't seem like the right strategy. You're already fighting a really heavy public backlash for the things that your program is not doing to protect players, to make them have them make good decisions, and then to fire this woman just months after this crash. I, I don't see the benefit in that to Georgia.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, they're trying to clean up a mess that they should have uh, cleaned up a long time ago. So, you know, a bunch of bad decisions were made, like you mentioned, getting in those cars, driving in those cars, speeding. You know,
1: How how fast are they going? Oh, I think, I mean, I think over 90 miles an hour, right?
3: Yeah, going over 90 miles an hour. Um, Jalen Carter fleeing the scene, then basically coming back, and everybody's attempt to try to clean that up. Um uh, this 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 is a mess. And Kirby Smart spoke about this a couple of weeks ago when he had another player basically cited for, um, you know, reckless driving. And it's, it's a problem. It is a problem in the program that is one that has already killed people. So, uh, I mean, look, is this the right move? Is it the wrong move? But uh, this is the, – they're trying to clean up the mess again that they – that their players started and that they tried to do their best, it seemed like, to cover up and and hide and sweep under the rug months ago. So, you know, they said it was, as a result, um, you know, we were ultimately left with no choice but to terminate her employment. I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had a choice, right? I mean, you had a choice to actually not do that because it, it benefits them in no way.
3: You know, they're They're saying the main reason was that she was – she was asked to speak with investigators and provide information, and you know, basically through her attorney, she refused to cooperate throughout the process. Now, that's her legal advice she's getting. That's one thing, so I would assume that she's probably going to try to sue them now because of this, and who knows if she has a good enough lawyer and has enough evidence to provide that she did everything she was legally and responsibly obligated to do uh, for the University of Georgia, and who knows? Maybe she has a lawsuit on her hand. Um, You know, we might be might hear more about this in a couple of months if they actually go to court for it or we'll see if Georgia decides to pay her, you know, under the table, a little uh, non-disclosure agreement money. We'll see. We'll find out. But, you know, this is something that Kirby Smart as the head coach ultimately now is responsible for. And he spoke about it already, like I said earlier this summer do you hope that he hopes he never has to speak about it again but this is the big off-season headline for Georgia football uh, rather than being them being two-time defending champs and getting ready to defend their crown it's that the fact that they have a a systemic problem going on in their yeah. program where kids don't know how to you know get behind the wheel and right. be responsible
1: and they've talked it down um inside and outside the program has been downplayed it's just it still doesn't seem feel right in Georgia that they are still dealing with car-related issues after losing two people that they know, a player and a staff member, just a few months ago. Um, It is is not the best of situations, but as we always do uh, in a few weeks, it'll be about football and football only. Right or wrong, we just are not good... Uh, at keeping our eyes on the right thing sometimes. And hey. we get and we get distracted by the shiny football and the trophies and the points yeah, on the and, board.
3: And excuse me, Bugs, I was wrong. She actually already has filed a lawsuit. Right. I'm reading the article in CBS Sports. Is The decision comes less than one month after she filed a lawsuit against both the University of Georgia and, uh, and former Bulldogs defensive lineman Jalen Carter. So there you go.
1: 855-212-4CBS, 855 is the number at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Boguch on Twitter. As for actual college football, uh, if you missed yesterday's sounds of Saturday, included Oklahoma voice uh, Toby Rowland, I believe on Friday. We're checking in with uh, UCF football as part of that segment. Uh, and then, of course, we'll continue next week and the week after with DA back in the main share, uh, and then me filling in for DA after that because... There are games as of August 31st. We are that close to real college football games. So uh, the preview continues to ramp up here on the DA Show. If you missed Toby yesterday or any of our previous Sounds of Saturday guests, uh, they are where everything else show-related lives after the show. All your podcast feed, cbssportsradio.com, and the DA Show page there as well. When we come back, we're going to talk to... A guy I've known for a very long time. Now, Ryan Botcher booked him not knowing our personal history. I alerted Ryan to it. I don't know what Richard Deitch said after my name was mentioned to him. Uh, But Richard now writes for The Athletic, covering mostly sports media. I met him back 2005, 2006, when he was uh, a young reporter at SI.com. He actually spent a day shadowing me and my colleagues at usopen.org radio. That's U.S. Open tennis. And it is a history that does not need to be remembered or retold or in any way revisited. But tennis on the radio is very common outside the U.S. When Wimbledon happens, as Boyle probably knows, BBC Radio has like three or four different channels, different feeds presenting tennis, Wimbledon, on the radio. All across the world they do this. It hadn't been done before in the U.S. And then I was there as of year two for the next five years doing tennis play-by-play. And Richard, writing for SI.com, came and hung out with us. Uh, We've been friends ever since. He was very complimentary of my work back then. Uh, Since then, he at one point, I think, had me on a list of uh, underrated play-by-play voices or guys he wanted to hear more from. Since then, I've graduated to Sean telling me to stop doing play-by-play. So I don't think my career has taken the turn Richard had envisioned more than a decade ago. uh, But it's always great (laughs) to check in with him. uh, And we will spin all through the sports media landscape with Richard Deitch of The Athletic when we come back on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back inside the beautifully decorated CBS Sports Radio studios here in New York City. Andrew Bogish in for DA on this Wednesday morning. We'll get back to you in just a second at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. We've got some tweets to read as well, in particular ones about Boyle's wardrobe choices today. But right now, as promised, we welcome in my good buddy and old friend, Richard Deitch of The Athletic. Richard, it's been way too long, man. How are you?
0: I'm good, Andrew. It's uh, good to see that your star has risen to where it's at. It's another check for Fordham University. So good to be here.
1: I I will I will take the compliment. I did tell the audience going to break a minute ago that you and I first met at USOpen.org radio. What do you remember of that glorious day back in like 2005?
2: Yeah,
0: well, I'm not going to be sarcastic at all. Like what I remember is you were an excellent tennis broadcaster for somebody so young and um and calling tennis on the radio is, as you know, is very hard. I mean, it's a fast sport. There's a lot of points. You have to really try to present a visual picture for the audience. So honestly, my first recollection was, wow, this uh, this young dude's pretty good. I, I mean, unfortunately, there's not a big business in tennis radio broadcasting. Oh, correct. But he's, he's, pro- he's, he's probably got a good job ahead of him in the future.
1: Uh, I definitely can't complain, but I do miss tennis. I that was so and I don't know if it's just a normal like looking back, that job was great, but every time the US Open starts, and the last one I worked was two thousand seven, so there's been many since that I haven't worked, I do miss being at tennis events. There's they're super fun.
0: Yeah, I would say for anybody listening in the audience, uh if you can have even if you're not the biggest tennis fan, if you could ever go to a tennis event, it's really great. Just because you get you can walk around. Um there's so many interesting things to see. And sort of the hidden gem about tennis is that like the hundredth and 40th ranked player is so incredibly good. You can really be close up to the court and see that, you know, you start like thinking, Oh yeah, maybe I can take a point off this guy or this woman. And then you realize you have no chance to take anything off anybody. And so that was a great thing about uh, covering tennis. And obviously covering the U S open was incredible because it was the biggest tennis tournament in the United States. Um, there are always obviously great players there. So, yeah, I don't live in New York anymore after 19 years of living in New York, and I do miss that. If there's one singular sporting event I miss having moved from New York, it's going to the U.S. Open every year.
1: Now, you live in Toronto, right? That's where we've moved to recently-ish?
0: Yeah, although although I'm talking to you in the United States today. Okay. But, yeah, but yeah <laughs> uh, that's why the connection's good. But, uh, so, yes, yeah, so I, I now live in Toronto.
1: So, as we, as we shift to soccer, uh, the Canadian women did not have the best... World like, Cup either, but was there the same um, celebration and mocking of them losing like there was here in the States when the U.S. women went out, or were they nicer than the Canadian fans? Well, No,
0: <laughs> no because everything's not a culture war in Canada every second. <laughs> that must be past. nice. Yeah, it's nice. Um, so no, I mean, listen, the Canadian women's team absolutely uh, were criticized because they were a, a significant failure, especially after having won a gold medal at the Olympics, but no, I mean, you know, I also understand like the reality of the United States uh, women's soccer team is because they've been so great and because so much has been written and shown about them, you know, they're a team that like casual fans, but even more than that, like casual sports media people, like will be encumbered to have an opinion on. So in some ways that's sort of, that's a creation of their own in that because they have been so good And so prominent people are gonna weigh in on them but you know if you just if you want to be honest and just not bs anybody like a lot of the reason the outsides kind of talk about this team is because um they're at the moment in the middle of a culture war so you have people who normally don't talk about soccer talking about soccer trust me and by the way on all sides like the fact is, like, <laughs> once the culture war moves on, they're not going to be discussing uh, how messy is going to do against Atlanta, right, in, in, in MLS, True.
1: So. Uh, how about it's been hard to follow. The time difference from here to, to Australia and New Zealand is a tough one for us on the, on the East Coast. So I have not watched as much soccer as I would have liked. From what you've seen, what kind of grade would you give Fox so far for its coverage?
0: Well, you know, Fox's coverage continues to sort of be what it always is to me when it comes to the World Cup. I think their game coverage is fine. Um, their announcers are pretty decent, uh, whether it's, um, you know, like J.P. Delecamore in this case is, and Allie Wagner is their lead, or if it's on the men's side, John Strong, Stu Holden, in terms of uh, men's World Cup. Where, where I really think Fox drops the ball every time is their studio show. I don't know how tight a soccer fan you are, Andrew, but – You know, the one thing that's interesting, at least for me, is living in another country is that you see how other uh, broadcasters cover big events like the World Cup. And the one thing you see in Canada, and I saw even when I was in England, is you just get a lot more in terms of tactics. You get a lot more discussion in terms of the other teams that are the non-home team. And so Fox's coverage, and they're not going to change because they've been very, very consistent with this, is they're going to hyper-focus on the U.S. team they're not going to really go deep in terms of tactics. They're almost never going to really have an in-depth discussion on some of the non U S teams in the tournament. And then when they're at any kind of, um, any kind of any kind of venue or any country that has any kind of off the field issues like Qatar and Russia, they're not going to touch it. So they've sort of told you how they're going to cover soccer. I think, I, I, I would personally prefer, honestly, almost any other broadcaster at this point, whether ESPN, CBS, NBC doing soccer uh, for the World Cup, but that's just not going to happen until the rights are up. So, you know, I usually give Fox like a grade of like a B plus kind of when it comes to the game. And they're always way under that, at least in my opinion, when it comes to the studio.
1: Yeah. And you know what? That That's the stuff that I need. Like I, I, I love the game. I wish I had kind of fell in love with it sooner than I did it is so hard catching up now at 43 years old figuring out all this history that I missed so I and I still I need the nuts and bolts stuff I need to know about why this sub should have happened or not happened I need to know where this position should go and how you change whether you're defending or trying to catch up like I need that stuff and I I notice when it's not there that I still leave those shows without the information I was hoping to get from them
0: Oh, listen, I mean, it's the United States. It should be, in my opinion, the singular best broadcast in any sport, no matter what the sport is, because this country has far and away the most resources to do that. They have the most money that they can put behind broadcasting. And I think if you're going to do a all-encompassing job, you, you have to talk about teams beyond your own team. Right. I I, just, I think that's just good for the audience. And I'm not saying, like, like Fox doesn't like, I mean, you know, it's like, Japan is playing Australia. Like they're not going to talk about the U.S. like for an hour prior to that game. But prior to that game, how much have you learned about those teams? So you're coming into that tournament, at least, or you're coming into that game, like you know, as a as a casual, let's say, not really knowing much about those teams. And here's the last thing I would say. And again, everything we're talking about now, Fox is not changing. Like they're never going to change their philosophy. They they have already told you that. But I would argue that if you highlight some of this other stuff early in the tournament, it's just essentially good promotion in the event the United States, like we saw, goes out. It just kind of educates you on what's coming. They can sort of get away with this when it comes to the Men's World Cup, honestly, because some of those players are so famous, you know, Messi and Mbappe and, you know, name your other, like, global Kevin De Bruyne, name your global superstar so many of the soccer fans already have watched them in the Premier League or the Bundesliga or La Liga that they can get away with it a little bit more. But the reality of the Women's World Cup is, like, like I consider myself a soccer fan. I, I can't tell you the starting 11 on Japan. You know, I could barely tell you a couple players on that team. So that's where I think they would just benefit their audience better. But, again, I, I have talked to Fox many times, and I give them a lot of credit. They're very transparent on this. But they are not changing their philosophy at all.
1: This is Richard Deitch of The Athletic with us here on CBS Sports Radio. You mentioned Messi already. You've written about him recently at the Athletic. Do we know anything yet from the Apple business standpoint whether the early returns have been good on the on Messi viewers and subscriptions and whatnot?
0: Well, we know the engagement's been really, really high. Um, but they're very proprietary. They don't tell you how many viewers are watching. So some of it is really I mean not some of it all, but on that case is just guesswork they've um you know they've given some indication of like sort of what the subscriptions have been and you know we're talking a couple hundred thousand at least domestically maybe when you know in terms of like the messy pop but um but the yeah the the reality of the numbers are it's hard to and this is generally through MLS, it's not through Apple, it's hard to extrapolate what the actual number is of subscriptions since MLS announced Leo Messi was coming because we have no data to know how many people subscribed away from the United States and Apple doesn't release the data in terms of how many people have subscribed since the day Messi comes. Um, In some ways, I would argue it's already a success because they brought the most famous player. Uh, they help, you know, in terms of Apple, they helped bring the most famous player to play in the United States and the company's such a behemoth that the MLS deal is honestly like a rounding error for them. <laughs> so you can make the argument in some ways that it's already been successful for Apple. The real interesting question is is it successful for MLS? Is it is is can they use this incredible moment to grow that domestic league where once Messi leaves you know what i mean like there's a a larger group of people who are watching them um and that's that's a tbd that's to be determined one thing that is really working in mls's favor and um and apple's favor in many ways is that the men's world cup in 2026 is in the u.s and you will get a full year run up in 2025 of just people talking about that there's gonna be a lot of soccer talk in 2025 because the world cup is coming, is coming to our country uh, the following year. I,
1: I think most, you know, the four major leagues would all have rules prohibiting this, but Messi's, you know, being directly connected to Apple, getting a cut of Apple's business. Do you foresee that in some form or fashion becoming more common? Or is that a one-off kind of thing? Cause it's just him.
0: Yeah, I think it's a one-off. I mean, I'm sort of trying to like do it in another sport. Like, uh, uh, like, ESPN, Fox, CBS get together and pay Patrick Mahomes money. I, I don't, I don't know if it worked. Like the 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 thing with Messi is like that's a global sport, so you're bringing in the best person in that sport who isn't, who isn't currently connected to the United States to the United States. Uh, I I don't think there, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think there's another equivalent because the NBA right. is already a global game. There's not a hockey
1: player in Sweden that we're waiting to die in a yeah. scene he becomes a ranger and he gets a cut of this. There's, there's yeah, it's just, it's such a unique situation. I, yeah, because I, I the,
0: the, the parallel would be like that player in Sweden would have had to have been Gretzky. And so it's like Gretzky not playing for like five years and then coming here. But the thing is, the league in Sweden wouldn't be the best league in the world. That's the NHL. So that's, That's why I don't think it can exist, because um, for the major sports, you know, baseball, football, basketball, the best domestic league in the world resides in the United States. Soccer just happens to be one of those sports where the best domestic league is not even close to the U.S. You know, it's the Premier League. And so, as I'm sort of just in my own mind, even is there like a minor sport where that can happen, I don't think so. I think soccer is the only... Major sport where like a broadcaster could um, could do that. I'll give you one. I mean, if you really wanted to sort of get like uh, you know crazy town, like one of these uh, one of these media companies in theory could like pay for a college star quarterback to leave his conference and then come to your conference, which you have the media rights for. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like if you want to sort of play it out, like you know um, somebody try, you know. Fox tries to swipe Arch Manning or something like that. I mean, you know, I, there's probably regulations why that, that may be stopped, but maybe not. Yeah. So I think that would be the one sport I think where if you really start thinking like insanely, you could start seeing like media companies like purchasing certain players because they want those players to play for a university where they own the rights to that conference.
1: Or if you really cared for – Spring football or some other kind of offshoot league, you could pay people not to go to college and come play in really? your league for two or three years with that's the TV money.
0: Like a G, like you create your own G league yeah. for for football. Um, I mean, listen, you know, like once upon a time, I'd be like, well, that's an insane idea. Yeah. But I don't know how you could like, I don't know how you could say that, just given all the realignment stuff that we've seen over the last fourteen days, and the and the the television networks are are absolutely responsible. For the colleges being able to go to different conferences, like you know the the Big Ten will go to Fox and be like, hey, you know we want Oregon, Washington, and can you guys give us sort of more money as part of the deal to make that happen? Like this, this is how that works. And so um, that's not your idea is not crazy. Like I like that. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't know if the if media companies want to start getting into like human purchasing, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But Like. Once upon a time, like, I also didn't think UCLA and USC would uh, would, would be part of a Midwest conference. Yeah. Like, you know, who knows what's going to happen.
1: The last thing I wanted to ask you, uh, you were part of a write-up about this at The Athletic right now. Can you walk me through this ESPN bet announcement from yesterday?
0: I mean, I could walk you through as much as anybody sort of like, you know, read the press release and it's covered them a little bit. So the reality of ESPN is this. Like, they have a significant um, they have a significant financial issue in terms of the number of cable households continue to decline and they're declining precipitously. And so that's not going to change. Where well, once upon a time, they were in a hundred million homes. They're now in a shade over 70 million. And a lot of analysts, smarter people than me think that eventually, you know, that gets to 50 million. So that's significant money that they once upon a time had, because ESPN is the most profitable cable company of all time, that's significant money they don't have anymore. They're losing essentially $10 per month from all those subscribers who never subscribe. Their other issue is that a lot of young people, not a lot of young people, almost all young people, don't subscribe to cable. You know, they have gotten their entertainment through different means. So that's cord cutters and cord nevers. So the business is, is in a tough place because the sports rights don't go down. They have to continue to pay these absorbent amounts of money to continue to put the sports on the air. So they need new revenue. They need new revenue streams. One of the things that they've always planned to do is to associate themselves somehow with sports gambling because the most, probably the most important thing that ESPN has is their brand name. It's the most famous sports brand name in the United States. And that in itself is worth, you know, essentially billions of dollars, just that brand. And so yesterday, they finally, after sort of tiptoeing in terms of the sports gambling space, you know, having some deal with a sports gambling company, you know, having shows that are branded by a sports gambling company, they finally essentially have now gone all in, and they're going to license their name essentially to Penn. So, you know, it will be around the country, like you can walk into an ESPN sports book essentially. They're not going to like make the odds. Nobody at ESPN's doing that. You're not going to be betting via ESPN. Uh, you know they're going to they're going to they're going to try to uh, make that sort of frictionless where you're betting through the the gambling company. And then in exchange for all that, Penn is paying them uh, 1.5 billion a year, uh, and then add another 500,000 for some more licensing fees. So they essentially get an infusion of two billion dollars a year espn for this deal what it ultimately means long term is will it be successful for both companies we don't know but the reason they did this is because they need financial revenue streams and this was to me their big shot uh to connect themselves with a gambling company to infuse themselves with that kind of money and also keep in mind they've had multiple multiple layoffs um and so the 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 company itself is just smaller. You know, both of us, you're a little younger than me. But, you know, what ESPN was for us when we were younger, like that world just no longer exists. Yeah. And so it should not surprise you that ESPN, owned by Disney, you know, Disney company, Walt Disney Family Entertainment, is now knee-deep in the gambling business. This is just, this is all about money, Yeah. Uh, as, as so many other things are.
1: Nothing makes sense. Uh, Richard, this is fun, man. Thanks so much for making time for us, and hopefully our next chat's not too far away, man. Be good. You got it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Andrew. Richard Deitch of The Athletic with us here on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Real quick, because Pete will appreciate this. I tried to find um, the story that Richard wrote after spending that day with us on USOpen.org radio. I couldn't find that because maybe the internet doesn't go back to 2005. Uh, But I did find him in December of 2012 in his, like, media roundup column – writing about the launch of CBS Sports Radio. Most of it was about our good friend Dana Jacobson, who was part of the morning show, TBD in the Morning, Tiki Barber, Brandon Tierney, and Dana Jacobson. So there's a a, a lot, paragraph. the paragraph about Dana, her career, great to be back on radio, doing TV too, and then the rest of the CBS Sports Radio weekday lineup includes John Feinstein and Andrew Bogish, Jim Rome, Doug Gottlieb, Chris Moore and Brian Jones, Scott Farrell, and Damon Amendolaura. That's how it all began. That's a list. That's a list, and my name shouldn't have been there, but since it was, we'll count it. The me and Jim and Damon, the only ones that are still here. That's amazing. Well, it's not amazing. It's ten years. It's more than ten years. Yeah. I think It feels like more than ten. So just the, just the three of that group. That's that. Well, I mean, that's that would be with in line with what other stations have done. Yeah, probably true. Probably true. And what did we end up on? Eight full-time employees have been here the entire time. We had some As math issues. As of now, As of now yes. Now. Okay. So it's, it's Alvin. Right. Amy. Yeah. Uh, Mike Samter. Yeah. Myself. Right. You. Me. DA. Romy. Rome. And somebody else. There should be eight. I just counted seven, unless I can't count. Uh, Sean. No, Sean was Sean, Sean was, was on the list. Now Sean's out.
3: Oh, Stu Kovacs. No. I'm no, And
1: no, no, no. not, not De Celestino, You Why mentioned Samter, Ackerman. Ackerman. That's yeah. what it was. That's
3: what it was. Yeah.
1: All right. He- Speaking of Ackerman, here's headlines. Not with him, thankfully, but with Boyle. <laughs>
3: Whoa! All right. Really quickly, because we're uh, running out of time. Sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Sponsored by Progressive. Save when you bundle. Motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com.
1: That's was unnecessary but
3: okay (laughs) am i is that are you saying i'm fat no yes okay just a random cow got it last night the opener of the best series baseball has to offer to begin this week astros and o's in baltimore and unlike orioles owner john angelos it did not disappoint down three runs and down to their final two outs in the ninth inning kyle tucker put his cape on and launched a two-strike go-ahead grand slam off o's closer felix bautista Ryan Presley slammed the door in the bottom half. Astros won at 7-6. After the game, Tucker, on how important taking the opener
1: was. It's huge. I mean, they they are a really good team, like you said. And um, I mean, their defense, you know, hitting, bullpen, uh, everything is pretty solid. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's never easy facing teams like this, but we just got to grind through and try and win them all.
3: Tucker now one of a handful of players in Major League history to have back-to-back seasons with 20 home runs and 20 stolen bags. Elsewhere at the Trop, Cardinals starter Miles Michaelis was rolling through six shutout innings. And Isak Paredes got him with a solo homer to tie it. Then the Rays knocked him out next inning and route to a three-run eighth, taking down the Cardinals 4-2. Tampa now two games back of Baltimore for the AL East lead. On the south side of Chicago, Clark Schmidt was solid again. Aaron Judge hit his 21st homer. Yankees bounced back from Monday's loss to beat the White Sox 7-1. Two teams fighting for their playoff lives. It was the Marlins who reeled in the Reds thanks to a go-ahead two-run shot from Jorge Jorge Soler. Miami tops Cincinnati 3-2 to pull within a half game of them for the final NL wildcard spot. And in Detroit, Eduardo Rodriguez, seven shutout innings. Tigers blank the Twins, six zip. We'll have more football news for you next hour really quickly. I haven't mentioned it yet. Busy night last night in the WNBA. Dewana Bonner, 21 points. The Sun crushed the lowly storm, 81-69. L.A. Sparks continue their playoff push. And Neka Ogwumike continues dropping double-doubles. 20 points on 11 boards. L.A. beat the Fever 87-80. The Lynx snapped the Sky's three-game win streak with an 88-79 victory. Aja Wilson was the birthday girl last night, and she had a party. 28 points, 14 rebounds. Aces clobbered the wings 104-84, and the Mercury took down the Mystics
1: 91-72. Boyle, thanks so much. We'll see you again in a few seconds. When we come back... a birthday wish from one of our listeners and maybe our first thoughts on hard knocks next on CBS sports radio.
2: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Welcome back inside the DA Show. Bogish, Blotty, Botcher, Boyle, and you. A little more than an hour left on this Wednesday morning. And don't forget, DA is with you once again on the Jim Rome Show 9am Pacific, noon Eastern across most of these same stations as well as CBS Sports Network and if you're sticking around for DA, stick around after him for our other good friends Maggie and Perloff at 3 Eastern on CBS Sports Radio. I want to wish a happy birthday 33rd birthday to Sean Ironman 90 at Sean Tiger Time 90 on Twitter who is nice enough uh, to tell us no better way to start my 33rd birthday, just eating my breakfast, listening to the boys, and it's Iron Paradise time. At Pat Boyle 44, at Andrew Bogus, at Pete the Body.
3: Yeah, I love that guy. He was at Bob's Bar. He is, like, Jack, like, actually Jack, like, way more jacked than I am. Okay. And he, like, always, whenever I interact with him on Twitter, he always tells me, I'm like, I wish I could be as jacked as you. I'm like, dude, either you're delusional, or you're just, like, the best friend ever because you're constantly hyping me up even though you actually look like a bodybuilder
1: and if you remember there were more than one of us who were disappointed in your jackness when your shirt came right, off relax. to get oiled up
3: relax i was two breakfast was. sandwiches deep and i'm sitting slouched in a chair the okay. shirt these buttons you want these, these buns can go all the way undone if you want <laughs> i'll pass plus i've been stepping it up in the gym lately i joined a new gym because oh, you got the message uh, i got a trash a, a trash wednesday here um, retro Fitness in Hoboken just closed without notice. The day of, email. Hey, uh, guys, sorry to inform you. Retro will be permanently closed starting tonight. It's like, oh, all right, sweet. So I joined a new gym. They've got, like, the prowler sled. So now every time I, like, between each set I'm doing, I'm running that down, like, the 20-foot yeah. like, carpet runway thing that they have. Okay. I almost threw up yesterday.
1: Yeah, I do. We... uh my wife and I just work out at home now. We've, we haven't had a gym membership in a while, but I do miss I don't, I don't miss going to the gym, changing at the gym, changing back out of gym clothes. It was there's too much extra work just to get to the gym, but I do miss the cool toys in the gym, stuff like that. There's no sled in my house. There's no tackling dummies. They're not pushing weights in the backyard. I do miss that stuff.
3: I should get some tackling dummies.
1: I mean, I do have a kid. We do and two of them. We
3: got a couple of tackling dummies tackling dummies. tackling dummies here in the uh, newsroom <laughs> at certain times throughout the day. Not currently.
1: That's not a shot at D and Billy. Ugh. It's debatable that we don't have any right now. Who would that be? There's a couple people out there that would let us run them over for the good of the Anthony show. Anthony
3: Gallo didn't tell me about the Wendy's breakfast. Luckily, I walked outside. and grabbed the last sandwich that was available. That's
1: two weeks in a row where we've kind of been shut out of that scenario.
3: Yeah, I don't like it. Doesn't the network down the hall in the city that we that DA doesn't like, they've stolen enough from us. Now they, they can't extend the handout for a little Wendy's breakfast? Yeah.
1: And in their defense, it is leftovers. It's a specific delivery. And if Boomer says he doesn't want it, then the rest of us get to eat it. And then they take it upstairs to a different uh, a news radio station. Yeah. Give me a break. It's not nice. Here's some breaking news. Uh, NFL teams are worth a lot of money. How much? We'll find out when we come back on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?